Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seven Investing's Market Madness. I'm JT Street. I'm with the marketing team here at Seven Investing, and joining me today is Simon Erickson, CEO and founder of Simon. Uh, <laughs> you founded yourself, Simon. CEO I love it. I love founder it. of Seven Investing. Simon, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. I got to change the title on my business card based on that introduction now, JT. You are self founded. You really are. <laughs> Doing good. I'm looking forward to the next round of this tournament. We've been running the market madness all March. Uh, kind of an exciting time for Seven Investing to take a look at 16 companies, figure out what we think is the best current stock idea for investors today. Yeah, and today's matchup is is a real doozy. I uh, am an owner of both of these companies. I like both of these companies. I'm really excited to dive into the weeds here and talk about AMD. Uh, versus Disney, and and you know, these are a little bit different companies. Uh, <laughs> one does semiconductors, and one well, they both have mouses involved, I guess, in some capacity. <laughs> the uh, it, you know we do the rankings based upon the 2022 performance, and both of these companies had a tough year last year, right? AMD was down 56 percent, which is why it's the 10 seed, and uh, Disney was down 43%, which is why we put it as a seven seed. So Disney had a slight edge last year, got the higher seeding in the tournament. But of course, past performance is not necessarily indicative of the future. We're, we're only looking forward, and we want everyone to vote on which of these two you think is going to provide the better three-year forward return. Uh, so follow us along on, on, on Twitter. We're at 7investing, at the number 7investing. We're posting this poll as well as all of our previous matchups. But the, the ultimate goal here is to say, let's kind of take an objective look at both of these. Um, I'm going to pitch AMD today. Hopefully we can get Luke's uh, technical issues uh, cleared up here, and he's going to pitch Disney. And then at the end, we want you to make the decision on which one of these two is you think you think is the better uh, stock to invest in. You can follow the entire tournament at 7investing.com slash market madness. Yeah, and uh, if, if for some reason we can't get Luke back in, he's he's reinstalling Twitter right now. That's the level of technical difficulties we are at with this. But uh, if for some reason we can't get uh, Luke back in, I will do my Luke Hallard impression and uh, go through Disney in a British accent. Um, <laughs> really, Luke, if you uh, if you are listening to this on on repeat, uh, but uh, I'll I'll do the best I can uh, as a shareholder and uh, and a follower of the House of Mouse, but. Uh, uh, we obviously would rather have an actual <laughs> analyst on. Uh, but let's start with AMD, Simon, as we go through this. Uh, tell us a little bit, for people who aren't uh, familiar with this semiconductor company, uh, tell us a little bit about AMD and, and what that company does. Yeah, absolutely. So Advanced Micro Devices has been around for 50 years, right? Founded back in 1969. It's kind of one of America's... Uh, most long-standing semiconductor companies. You know, it rose to prominence through the computing revolution. You know, it kind of continually pushed down the costs of putting more and more transistors on a semiconductor chip. And that went into PCs uh, and it went into mobile. And now the new big thing has really been the data center. And so even though we kind of know of AMD, you know, a lot of people might not respect or understand that, you know, it's those chips, it's the Ryzen chips that are um, in your Desktop that you're using for gaming, uh, if you're using ChatGPT or using any other AI application, the data centers are using its general processors, uh, CPUs, in the data center to do a lot of that computing power that's needed for some of the world's most demanding applications out there. And even with its acquisition of Xilinx, uh, which is for field programmable data arrays, FPGAs, if you don't want to say that 10 times fast, uh, it's really completely fully customizable based on what 
whatever your customer wants to do. And so all of that matters is because now AMD, after 50 years, has got one of the broadest based portfolios of products in the entire chip industry. It sells to everyone. It, it has different divisions uh, that each kind of have their own their own peculiarities, especially in recent years. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, if we look at 2022 as a whole for, for AMD, revenue rose 44% to $23 billion. Very, very strong year. Very, very, I mean, that, that's impressive growth for people that might just assume that AMD is just a chip company, just a hardware company. You look at 44% revenue growth, you look at 52% gross margin, and then a 26% operating margin. Uh, this is definitely not a commoditized company that anyone else can, can produce those same processing chips that AMD does. They're very specialized, and they're finding their ways into more and more sophisticated applications. And that's why you see year over year that 52% gross margin, it grew four percentage points. You know, the operating margin, 26% up two percentage points year over year. But there are some challenges that are also facing AMD right now. Uh, actually, the fourth quarter revenue, you know, we said the revenue grew 44% over the full fiscal 2022 year. But in the fourth quarter, revenue was actually up only 16%. Uh, and that's certainly because we're seeing a slowdown in semiconductor demand. Uh, specifically in the consumer markets, right? When you're looking at the client market, the gaming markets, these are down significantly over where they were in 2021. Um, there's recession on a lot of people's minds. You know, we're seeing a lot of tech layoffs kind of going on right now. It's just not a very good time to be putting out consumer laptops, to be putting out consumer G, uh, GPUs and CPUs that are out there that AMD is making. Um, and and the, the thing that I want to point out too, though, is even though that is a bit of a headwind, and a weakness that AMD is facing right now, it is offset by the strength and the benefit that AMD is seeing in the data center. I mentioned Epic 4. They just rolled out Genoa uh, here recently. That's kind of the newest evolution of their data center CPUs that are very, very high performance. Um, that was in, in the data center segment. They actually saw 64% year-over-year growth and 42% uh, uh, year-over-year growth when you're looking at just the fourth quarter. And that's incredibly strong for AMD, especially considering those same numbers for Intel. JT, you mentioned earlier, you know, you always thought that the AMD per performance was, was superior to Intel. It's certainly showing up in the data center where, like we said, 64% year-over-year growth for AMD, negative 15% for Intel, Intel in the data center growth. And then if you look at just fourth quarter, AMD up 42%, Intel down 33%. There's a very clear market share shift uh, between these two companies. And AMD's you know, stock price and market capitalization shows it. It's now $141 billion market cap. That's surpassed Intel. They've been rivals for 50 years. You know, It was kind of always AMD was second fiddle to Intel and CPUs. Uh, AMD was always second fiddle to NVIDIA in GPUs. But Lisa Su and just kind of the focus that she's put on changing the architectures of these chips and really kind of going after something that was completely novel to serve the most demanding of customers. I just think that the turnaround story at AMD during these last five years, especially has been absolutely phenomenal. It's showing in the financial results. They've got an $8 billion buyback authorization. They've been using every single quarter now. Um, I, I think it's kind of still one of the most underappreciated stocks in the market. And I've got a lot of great things to say about this one uh, going forward for the, for the next three years for investors, especially.
Yeah, and that is the metric that we're going by for these is which company out of the 16 companies we've chosen for this market madness uh, bracket, which of these companies is going to have the highest shareholder returns over the next three years? Uh, maybe not necessarily the most growth as a company, but in terms of the stock you want to be in, which one is going to be the leader uh, over the next three years? And I was really interested to hear Luke say that Disney had real potential to be that over the next three years because one, because I'm a shareholder and that would be great. And two, because I, I'm, I didn't see it, you know, uh, initially, but it, it, talking it through with him, he, he did have some interesting uh, key points about Disney. I mean, obviously <laughs> Disney's business model is established and diverse, right? They've got all the medias, they've got in-person events, they've got toys, they've got studio entertainment, they've got Disney Plus now, which is streaming. You know, that's a a growing project, but not a profitable project yet by any stretch of the imagination. But it, it, you do see an avenue for growth there. Uh, their content library, their, their intellectual property is, you know, second to none. Uh, they are bringing in more right they they acquired fox and got all of that great content they've got the simpsons now which is incredible you know when you look at the top 15 streaming programs overall in 2022 it was netflix and then like one or two syndicated tv shows and then it was disney plus so they've already despite having what a, a you know, a 15 year lag on, on Netflix uh, have cracked the top 15 in multiple ways. They also had the only film to make the top 15 streaming programs overall, which was in Kanto. The, the idea that you're going to, and that made the top five, the idea that you're going to have more viewing hours than like Grey's Anatomy or Criminal Minds with a single movie just shows the staying power and how impressive that one piece of content was. And that was new. You know, you, everyone talks about everything being a repeat and, and Marvel, which is also Disney owned. We, let's even talk about Marvel. But, you know, the, the idea of having that one piece of content that can really break through like that and be a, a genuine hit uh, is very impressive, I think, uh, for Disney as a media company. Uh, they, they are still in recovery mode from the pandemic. Right. And that's something that uh, leadership is going to have to continue to wa uh, watch. That's they got hit really hard during the closures and the theme parks are now bouncing back. And of course, they're still expanding, you know, going into international markets, uh, particularly with streaming services. Right. They've got all kinds of new revenue and subscriber growth coming from there, assuming that that ultimately turns profitable. Right. So that's the bear case for Disney is to me, uh, the questions over management. You had the, the Chapik Iger Battle of the Bobs, and, and that really kind of messed things up, I think, a little bit in terms of you know, who's steering the ship at Disney. You know, now Iger's back, but how long will he stay? Does he still have the same kind of golden touch that he had before? You know, that's an issue. Uh, the political infighting that they've gotten into in Florida is not necessarily a great look. They just lost their, their special uh, tax exempt status, which basically let them do whatever they wanted in Florida for the last, what, 50 some odd years. Yeah. So there's, there's some interesting stuff around the fringes with Disney as there always has been, but the core business itself is diversified and strong. And, you know, you don't have to look any further than my four-year-old daughter uh, to know that, 
their intellectual property is going to be absolutely beloved by people for the next you know generation and and then some because she is absolutely nuts over whatever the new cartoon on disney is you know i i can uh, tell you i we can spend hours talking about you know the adventures of mira royal detective but i don't think anybody wants to do that so that is a brief overview of disney and and the bull and bear case there uh simon let me ask you this about amd what do you think it's going to take for AMD to take that top spot three years from now in terms of shareholder return? Well, I think that's a great question, JT. And I do want to point out a little bit of the bear case for AMD too, right? I, I sang its praises earlier. I want to point out some of the risks too, as we're objectively looking at both of these companies. I, I appreciate you kind of putting out the bear case out there with, with Disney. I want to do the same thing with AMD. And then I'll answer your question about what it would take for it to outperform. Uh, but AMD, I, I think that everyone should be aware of the fact that AMD is dependent on others to manufacture the chips that it designs. Uh, so even though AMD is you know, doing the architectures, they're doing all the design for the chips for, for different types of the processes that they're making, they're still reliant on Taiwan Semiconductor to manufacture them and get them out the door for them. Now, that is a big risk right now. There's a lot of geopolitical risks between China and Taiwan and, and America and China and just kind of a lot going on in the world. And every country wants to have the security of its national interests, right? Sovereign interests of high performance chips is really important. And AMD is no exception. Uh, even with all the customers that it has, it still relies on Taiwan as, as a primary manufacturing location for these chips. And so I think that there is a long tail potential risk that you know, it's not so easy to just qualify in a, you know, a new supplier for your chips, even if you're designing the best ones that you want to sell out there. There could be some supply disruptions uh, if, if anything happens where, where they cannot manufacture those chips in Taiwan anymore. Um, to answer the question that you asked of what situation would we have to be in where AMD outperforms, I, I think that we just have to see continued growth of cloud computing. The, the data center is so important to this business. I mean, like we said earlier, 64% year-over-year year growth at the highest margin because it's got its most demanding chips that are going into that. Uh, AMD needs to needs a really good launch here in Genoa of the Epic 4 processor. That's a CPU that goes in to data centers. Amazon is using it right now. Microsoft is using it right now for, uh, for Azure and Amazon Web Services. I mean, this is a beast of a chip, but it's also very power intensive. You know, there's a lot of considerations that have to go into things. Um, when, you, when you're designing an entire system that goes into a cloud data center expansion. But I think that we're not even we're not even close to saturating yet. I still think that the data center's got a lot of growth left in it. And I think that that's going to propel AMD further. I think it's a really good opportunity for the next three years. So on the Disney side, if I can uh, extrapolate a little bit from, from what we were talking about earlier, I think what needs to happen here uh, is, I, I hate to say it, but I, I feel like for Disney to make it through the next three years, there has to be a an orderly and final leadership solution, right? Transition, get somebody in there who who has a real vision for the company, who understands, you know, what Disney is and how it works. Clearly, Iger and Chapek had that, but I'm not sure if there's the right kind of support for that anymore. And so I, I'm interested to see what happens with leadership with Disney over the next few years. The good news is Disney is strong and, and even, <laughs> you know, 
even if there is some instability in the leadership, the company itself is going to go on. They're not going to do so much damage that people turn away from Disney. So I think if that happens and the pandemic recovery continues, the parks continue to improve, people get back there, they, they continue to expand in that regard. If the streaming turns around and they're able to get that profitable and they're able to show shareholders that, you know, cutting costs, getting the business turned around, getting it profitable, uh, making it to where people can enjoy the parks again. I know that Iger was cutting uh, price uh, prices at the parks, uh, which had gotten you know a little insane in the aftermath of COVID. So if they can find some price stability at the parks, they can they can feel uh, a bit more family friendly in that regard. I could see them really making the case to shareholders that they are very undervalued at, at this point with their share price. I, I, JT, I'm, I'm going to have to say, I, I, I think that Disney's biggest strength is its biggest risk, too, which is Bob Iger. I mean, this is a guy that's called the shots for a long time there. He knows the strategy. He knows how to execute. We all love him as shareholders because he's done so well for investors for such a long time. But on the other side of the coin, I mean, I, I think Disney has shown that they don't really have a good succession plan, right? Their bench is only so deep of people that could take fill his shoes and the first shot of that, like you just mentioned, didn't work out so good, right? It's still Iger coming back and saying, no, okay, I'll take the reins again. I mean, at some point, he's going to have to bow out, and Disney's going to have to figure out who's going to lead this company for the next several, you know, at least the next decade, maybe several decades. Does not have an answer to that just yet. And I think that for us as shareholders, even with the incredible run that Disney's been on, even the great content library that they've had for the 100 years they've been in operations. By the way, Disney turns 100 in October of this year. I mean, and just everything they've done so well with the parks and the streaming and everything that they've done, um, you're going to have to have someone who's going to have that same level of vision if you're going to keep it going forward. I, I don't see that with Disney right now. I don't think there's a replacement for Bob Iger. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you're looking to replace that. And that's why the vision part is so important, right? You, you know, you have to prepare this company for what it's going to do for the next 100 years you have to get the kids like my daughter who are super into disney stuff and and nurture them into being lifelong supporters of this brand and and I, as long as whoever comes in the leadership when Iger bows out again has that in mind you know can can get me and my kid to the star wars galactic hotel for less than five thousand dollars for two nights you know that would be nice um, Holy cow, that's some crazy pricing. <laughs> I could buy a spaceship. No. <laughs> <laughs> you go into, into outer space with Branson, or you could stay at the Galactic Hotel for two nights. That's right. I could go with Branson and Elon for, for less than the Star Wars experience. Uh, so, you know, I think that type of stuff is going to get sorted out. It can't stay where it is right now and have Disney be that company that we, we want it to be. Um, but hopefully it does. So uh, any questions from anyone else in the uh, Twitter spaces, let us know. You can comment uh, directly underneath. Also, please vote for these companies. Our, our poll is up right now on Twitter. You can vote for the company you think has the best chance to take away the most in shareholder returns over the next three years. If you want to follow along with this as we go through, you can follow that at 7investing.com slash market madness. We're going to be continuing that all this month as we find 
our winner, the company that we think is going to, we as uh, you know participants in this, uh, we're not actually voting in the polls. <laughs> you are uh, the the company that you think is going to be the number one in shareholder returns over the next three years. And of course, if you want to learn more about companies like Disney, like AMD, uh, subscribe to Seven Investing. You can join our uh, flagship uh, premier membership where you get seven stock picks a month, or you can join right now this month only our new starter membership where you get two stock picks a month, full research reports from our team, from Simon, from Luke, from the advisors here at Seven Investing, all prepared for you. And that is typically $17 a month, but for this month only, you can get that for absolutely free. We want you to come in, try us out, read the recommendations, see how in-depth they are. We go through the bull case, the bear case, the risks, the opportunities. You can really kick the tires on these companies and see which ones you feel are the best for your personal financial situation and your portfolio. So if you want to learn more about Starter and get a free trial, you can go to 7investing.com slash starter dash membership. Let's start our membership. We'll also put links to that down below this uh, this spaces so that you can find that there. So uh, again, that's 7investing.com slash starter dash membership. Simon, anything else you want to add here before we uh, close this thing out today? Uh, JT, it's a it's pretty lopsided in the vote right now. One of these two contenders has got seventy nine percent of the uh, of the voting poll thus far. Um, that that might be the biggest landslide we've seen. Our poll our polling locations will be open for another eighteen hours, though. I'm not even looking at it. And I'm just going to guess that it's AMD. I, I I'll leave it to everyone's uh, you know imagination which one's winning, but one of them is convincingly winning by a four to one margin. Right? Woo. All right. I want to see if, uh, if the other one can bounce back and let's see what happens. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to all the folks who are listening on the podcast. We're going to be doing this again tomorrow with another semiconductor uh, matchup. Right, Simon? Yes, we have our final one tomorrow, JT. You know, we've done, like we said, uh, 16 companies, eight matchups. The last one is, uh, is another Where's semiconductor it? matchup, Intel versus NVIDIA, to close this out tomorrow. Intel versus NVIDIA. That's the last one of the first round, just for people keeping score. And then we'll have the second round next week. So that's pretty exciting. That's right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And we cannot wait for Intel versus NVIDIA. We will see you all tomorrow.